Hi, welcome to the Power for Good podcast. I'm your host, Christina Ray Almeida, entrepreneur, environmental advocate, somatic healer, life coach, and really just a grateful part of this beautiful planet. I'm also a former alcoholic and addict, and I'm here to ask some really hard questions while diving deep and discovering how influential people are using their power for good or not. What happens when someone goes through an awakening? Can people really change? How and why? Let's explore. Hello, loves. It's Christina Ray. Welcome back to the Power for Good podcast, a place where we discuss how influential people are using their power for good or not. Today, my guest is a beautiful spirit and truly a powerful gift to this planet. She's a good friend of mine named Phoebe Joseph, otherwise known as Pojo. Pojo is a multifaceted host, content creator, and creative director based in New York City. She's the founder of Models That Eat, a globally recognized digital platform and podcast, creating a safe space for models to discuss their relationship with food. She's an incredibly talented and empowered woman, and as you'll learn from today's podcast, has had some amazing experiences and awakenings on her journey that have led her to the enlightened being she is today. She's a woman who is truly using her power for good in so many ways, and we had so much fun in this interview. Let's hop in. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Phoebe Pojo Joseph here and I'm so excited because she's one of my favorite people literally in the world. (laughs) So good morning to you or good afternoon or whatever it's like (laughs) afternoon already. Um, (laughs) But yes, so Pojo and I met in New York City. We've done a lot of cool collaborations together. We've cooked together. We've uh, shared meals together. We cooked in my New York City apartment, actually on our YouTube. There's a YouTube video that you can go check us out cooking a vegan, what was it? A vegan, like, I don't even know. She made some, we she made like a vegan a- Parmesan, which was amazing. <laughs> so good. I'll, I can't forget that meal. That was one of the best days. Such a great day. Yeah. We did some beautiful shoots together as well. A holiday shoot. Um, yeah. This girl is amazing. She's beautiful. She's fabulous. And but one thing I, I love about you is your energy. Like I can't be around you and not like laugh and just be smiling. You're just, oh. you're just a good time. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you're just so sweet. Inspirational. Stop. So many ventures going. I'm, I just love following you. Honestly, there's always oh. so much going on in Pojo land. <laughs> uh, and Christina land. I feel like every time you touch the internet, we're blessed. Like, thank you so much one, for having me with this new endeavor, which is so exciting. I love that you started a podcast. I feel like you're always spreading just one amazing information, but it's also good vibes. I think we energetically aligned and that's kind of yes. how we met too. We were like meant to find each other on the internet. It's crazy. I know. Exactly. So why don't we start with you telling me, um, introducing yourself. Who is Pojo today? What are you up to? And you just tell us a little bit about you in your own words. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Phoebe, but everyone calls me Pojo. So please call me Pojo if you'd like. Um, I'm from New Jersey, but I've been working in the city modeling since I was 13, which resulted in me starting Models That Eat, which is my platform online where I talk to models about their relationships with food and their bodies. I have a podcast as well. And 
I'm 22 now. I'm doing media with brands. I'm working on cool collaborations, but all of my work online is really focused in like sustainable living, veganism, and this like new age of fashion. Um, hopefully just creating a more just world. And that's how I found Christina and all her work, which is really exciting. And I'm so grateful for allies like you that are doing similar slash parallel things um, to the stuff I'm into. So it's, yeah, that's a little bit about me. And today I'm, what am I doing today? I was telling Christina, I'm trying out lemon water today, you guys. I don't know if we can talk about, <laughs> about that wellness trend. I'm a matcha girl myself. I know Christina's on the same page as me. Enjoying my matcha right now, actually. Oh yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. I wish I was matching, but um, yeah, no, today's been a good day. I'm so excited to talk to you about all the things. It's going to be so fun. Every day that I see Pojo is a good day. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, so we're definitely aligned and on the same mission. I think that's a great place to start. So, obviously, we are continuously facing a problem in our world today. Climate change is real, sustainability issues are major. And I know this is a big passion for you, as it is for me. And I believe, you know, we need to have large scale change, but it also starts with us taking small steps, you know, together in our daily lives. You know, for, for me, I think that looks like even just changing the way I eat, making small choices, even, even just, you know, using a different razor blade. Right. Um, yeah. but also raising awareness and, and working that into what I do in my work, but talk to me about you and what sustainability means to you. How's it part of your life? How do we address the problems that are are we're facing today as a society? What do you think about it? You know, sustainability came into my life as a term pretty recently. Um, within the past like four or five years, I really started to understand what that meant for myself. And working in fashion from such a young age, you don't even know what that means. You're like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm on runways, and there's a season. Every season, there's new clothes. Like, what are you talking about? So it was so outside of my life when I first got introduced to it, but I was so intrigued by it because I've always been a nature girl. I've always been an animal person and I went vegan when I was younger. So like the little things I did for ethical reasons were so parallel to sustainability that I didn't really understand the underlying anxiety that I was having in my industry. Um, Starting with some jobs. I remember when I was probably like 16, 17, getting offered certain modeling jobs for like fur brands or like being on hold for certain fast fashion brands and just feeling weird about it. You know, I was like, "Ah, I don't know why this doesn't feel right to me or why is this like making me uncomfortable or why am I not excited to book something like that or want or eager to. And I think I really, and also getting gifted so many things we were, it's such a consumer culture we're in. And I was conditioned from a young age to be a person that advertises for pretty much anything <laughs> that mm-hmm. matches my day rate. So I had to really learn what the value, what my ethical values were and my morals underneath modeling, because it's so easy to be told who you are when your, your business is the way you're being perceived and your appearance. To me now, sustainability really just means complete mindfulness and consumerism. I'm so much more interested in supporting businesses and brands similar to Pildora, like platforms like (laughs) Pildora make me so happy because I just think people have lost their sense of power or recognizing their own power. And even the little things like you and I could sit here all day and 
talk about how bad consumerism is on a large scale, but it's so unrealistic for us to even act like the answer is to stop consuming. We stop consuming, we die. But Mm -hmm. from another angle, I think what I've really learned and what sustainability means to me now is consuming consciously. And and that's on all platforms. And that also applies to social media as well. But um, that's been the biggest lesson for me, I think, is the consciousness around what sustainability really means. And it must've been so hard actually, you know, working as a, as a model and thinking about sustainable fashion and learning about that. And then I know we talked about one time being gifted so much like as an influencer. And how did you, how did you manage that? How did you deal with that? Yeah. I'm, I'm still, you know, every day I'm, it's becoming a thing I have to apply like I have to really apply my personal ethics to my daily emails and how I handle certain communications because on one side, I really want to support brands that are doing good and that have strong missions and that I believe in. And the other side of it is, all right, do I really need another pair of shoes? Do I really need another set of makeup? Is it recyclable? Is it going to make me feel good? Or am I just going to have another cardboard box in my closet that I'm going to reuse when I sell clothes? Like It felt like it was just stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. And I think people look at influencer marketing or influencers or celebrities and they they see that side. And, they, and a lot of people get angry about the glamour that is receiving so many gifts. But when people would understand that it's all about... I mean, you really look at it from the angle of it's all about marketing. You could really feel a little bit more comfortable saying no to things because people are trying mm-hmm. to utilize your platform to promote their goods. It's, you know, it's marketing and you're being used as a tool in that way. So my con like now when I look at an email, let's say someone reaches out, I really look at it for one, is this bringing value to my life? Is this bringing value to the planet too? Mm-hmm. And three, like, is this actually something I want to promote and want to put my name on? Because every time you buy something, that's what you're doing. And same with modeling, you know, now I shifted to a relationship with this industry where, like I said before, I'm supporting brands that I believe in and I'm weighing my options and also checking in to remind myself I am human. We do live in a society where we need to make money and all these things, but creating like there's a fine line and dancing on that line can be very uncomfortable. Um, But that's why I'm really trying to just create a different environment for myself, um, especially from the modeling side, because it doesn't feel good when you're not being seen for who you are, um, but only for what you look like. And I think the influencer era that we're in is actually a a huge testament to how powerful people are as themselves. And um, I'm glad that I've shifted into this model-influencer world rather than just model, because it was very isolating and definitely was weighing on my ethical compass that I have beneath <laughs> beneath the surface, of course. Totally makes sense. And I think it is important. And it's beautiful too that you have shifted into you know this into your power and demonstrated to the world that you are, you know, more or this this empowered model that has that stands for her values. And I think it's really important mm-hmm. too, as you said, when looking at what who what brand do you want to work with? I know like for Pildora, when we choose what brand we want to bring on, we look at, we break it down into the three E's is how I like to call it. So we're looking at ethical, environmental, and economical impact. So I think that's one way, um, you know, obviously environmental, we're looking at what kind of carbon footprint is the brand leaving behind. Um, ethical is uh, looking at fair trade certifications. Was anyone hurt in the 
production of these products? Was there any cruelty to animals? And Economical is looking at what kind of uh, charities, organizations, how are they giving back? So if anyone listening to this is curious how to decide what brands to support, I think that's one great way to look at it. I think it's just looking beyond just the tag and doing your research. I think there's a lot of greenwashing going on still as well. A lot of brands that want to hop onto the trend of sustainable and ethical and clean. And so they'll say that, you know, technically these words, they're not regulated, right? So you could say things like uh, sustainable, you can say things like ethical, organic, and really nobody's going to say anything about it. So you do have to research for yourself, as you know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, And uh, figure out who you, who you want to support and support those brands are working towards the same future that, that we are working towards as well. Totally. Totally. And yeah, the greenwashing is just getting insane these days. You know, that's why I mean, I know I'm like a walking ad for Pildora anyways, but I, the reason why I'm really talking about it is because you're one, you've created one of the first online sites that is actually fully transparent and you can lean on that to know that they've done their research. I think that's the value in a marketplace because you've curated something so, so streamlined. And I think that's the issue in our, in just consumer culture today is just the lack of uh, how streamlined things are. Everything's e-commerce, everything's all over the place. It's ads, it's targeted ads, it's shopping malls full of stuff where you feel obligated to shop. Like mm-hmm. that we have such a culture around the way that we are making decisions pretty mindlessly too. I mean, when I was younger, I remember when I was in middle school, my friends and I would get like our allowances and we'd be like, let's go to the mall. Who's oh my mom God, can yeah, drive the us? Mall. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go to the mall. We have zero direction as to what we want, but we will go to the mall and shop. And it's like, what? I look back, I'm like, I, why was I doing that? Yeah. And I also look back and I joke around. I'm like, where would I be if I invested all that money into stocks right mm-hmm. now? <laughs> oh <my laughs> like completely different, like just burning cash on things that really didn't mean much at all. But now it feels good to, to be well-researched and understand the importance. Like you were saying too, ethically, like when you put money into people's pockets that are making decisions, like creating a business from a sustainable point of view and being fair trade and all of these things, like, you're creating a more just world. You're helping people without even knowing. Mm-hmm. So it's important. It's important to keep it all in mind. Definitely. And are you just taking me back to a mall memory? And <laughs> I'm thinking about <laughs> when I was younger. Did you, my my era of the mall was when like Abercrombie and Hollister had just opened up. So literally when I was when I was younger, I would go to the mall with friends and we would just linger around. It was the whole the era of when they would hire just really good looking guys and have them literally standing outside with no t-shirt on. So most of my money got spent at Hollister and Abercrombie, needless to say. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that was my mall, (laughs) my mall days. Um, Anyways. Yes. Sorry. Sidetracked there. No, Um, but I, I trust me when I tell you, (laughs) I, I also feel like half of my brain cells have gone away because of the smell in Hollister alone. Oh my God. Yeah. The perfume. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never forget that scent either. (laughs) That cannot be good for anyone. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if a study comes out about people working there and then the correlated health health effects. I'm like, Oh God, that was terrible. I can't believe we dealt with that. So as if I hadn't said enough, I'm a big Pojo fan, the Instagram, the podcast, all your ventures, but I want to talk about models that eat. Yay. It indirectly, I feel like, I feel like it indirectly and directly deals with body issues, right? 
possibly touching on shaming, possibly, you know, the relationship with food, obviously. What was the driving force behind creating models that eat? Was there any personal motivation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said before, I started modeling very young age, not not your average uh, modeling scouting story too. I got scouted by Teen Vogue when I was 11. And so my career really took off. Oh yeah. It was, it was a wild ride. My career took off really young and you know, I was really lucky. I gotta say, I, I'm a success story in the sense that I wasn't as deeply traumatized as I very well could have been. Um, I know a lot of people that aren't as lucky as me when it comes to the treatment that I received was Mm-hmm. A1 for so long. And until I was like 16 or 17, where I really started to shift into a women's wear space rather than juniors, um, I really didn't see what was going on behind the scenes because of these like rose colored glasses I had on for so many years because of mm-hmm. how I was conditioned to, to work. And so when I started to understand how many people around me were struggling with body image issues and food, I was it really woke me up and it freaked me out that everything felt so glamorous and chill until I saw my friends for the, their struggles that were not only internal and you know testament to the lack of mental health support that models receive but also the influence we receive from people that work with us and people that work above us in a hierarchical way where we're conditioned to feel like agents, you know, run the show or whatever, like the pressure that models that I knew were facing from those people in positions of power was, was really devastating and actually like so self-deprecating that it, it causes lifelong damage. You know, Uh, people don't really understand that models are people. (laughs) It's hard when you don't Mm -hmm. relate to people in magazines. And I think that's, that's a testament to um, the lack of representation that many people feel that it doesn't exist. But now it's changing, of course. But even when I was younger, I mean, the truth is we were so alienated in our careers and from every angle, from every angle. And so I really wanted to create a space where models could talk freely about these things and feel no fear of judgment. Because I think when we lift that veil and we start to show people that models are pretty much a mirror of our own body image and self-reflection and also dealing with the same body image pressures and beauty standards that we are and being told that they need to live up to it and also being told they have to live up to an image of themselves that is photoshopped. Mm -hmm. That in itself is so damaging. My whole goal with all the media I create ever since I started it was just to liberate people through food again and hopefully find some peace in talking about these very heavy conversations and topics um, or having these very heavy conversations and talking about these things that are otherwise deemed to be really taboo and in our career have, have been conditioned to be suppressed. We've, we've suppressed it for so long because we were told that it threatens our careers if we talk about these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like sit and look pretty and keep your mouth shut. It's really easy. And truthfully, it's the most painful and terrible thing you could do for yourself. So... I'm at this point, and those that have probably read interviews with me or seen anything of me know that I really am jaded because of that. And I'm at this point where I just want to help people. Um, yeah. And I think for a long time, I 
I really didn't understand the weight of even the work I was doing. Like I started a food account when I was 16 and I was like, let's go, let's go eat you guys. And then I started to uncover all the eating disorders and things. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I thought we were having burgers. (laughs) And now it's a different, it's a different, um, it's, it's a journey. The whole platform really just has been a journey, but I hope that people can resonate with at least an aspect of it and understand, understand models a little bit better and themselves and their own relationships with food for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful mission that you have with Model Study. And I definitely think it's helping people. So congratulations on starting that. And it's a beautiful way for you yourself to heal through some of the experiences I'm sure you've gone through. Oh yeah. So I know that in healing, helping others heal, we do heal ourselves. So I think that's part of my mission as well. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, it's cathartic. It's grad. It's like really beautiful when you see, and it makes me so grateful to see a community of other people that are on the same journey and we're all in different places. And you know, Mm -hmm. very well, healing isn't linear. I think we've talked about this in the past together, but it's just important that we keep creating spaces that people feel free to heal in. I think that's the biggest thing. Exactly. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that society puts so much emphasis on, on person's appearance versus their, their character, their personality, their intelligence. And I guess the media particularly, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's very misogynistic one. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I really try not, I try to stay away from words like misogyny and patriarchy when I talk about this stuff because I feel like it's so easy to just be like the patriarchy's fault. And (laughs) yeah, for sure, man, a lot of things are, but beneath that we everyone men women everyone we are so we are fed messages every single day that tell us that if we appear to be beautiful if we appear to be happy if we appear to be successful then we are that i mean we see it too with this like clout culture online if we appear to be famous if we appear to have designer bags and this and that then then we're successful and and content but truthfully it's just a facade and it's, it goes back to marketing. I think the whole entire thing is marketing. You know, we're all trying to sell ourselves in a society that is so saturated with messaging and propaganda and pressure from every angle, um, whether it be what we're told from a young age we should be or how we should grow up or how we should feel about certain things finding yourself right now in this world is probably one of the most difficult things you could possibly do. Like soul searching. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, I might have to drop off the face of the earth and go to Mars and find myself (laughs) somewhere else. I don't know if I have much of a shot here, (laughs) you know? Um, so I think it's really just, uh, you know, all of these messages come from some sort of feeling and craving for acceptance and, Mm -hmm. Of course, we crave connection as humans and all of these things, but no, beyond it, I I think it's marketing. I know it's so weird to minimize right. it to that, but money is is a huge, huge factor in this. Like, would we, here, here's a hot take: Would we really wear makeup if we weren't shown brands that were selling it? Like, imagine there was a world where there was no beauty industry, and it was just like, oh, we take care of our skin, maybe put a little oil on it, but like, we just never. There was no there was no shot. It was completely mm-hmm. gone. I don't think any of us would be sitting here like, I really wish I had a brow gel right now. Or I wish like this. It's like, I think a lot of these things have been placed in our lives 
Well, I'm not to say, not to, yeah. But they do go back into, into ancient cultures. They'll make up, you know, it, what about the Egyptians and right. even, um, I'm just thinking about like geishas. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, listen. Shout out to all, all of the the girlies that started it up for us. I think uh, I think Cleopatra. She was doing it. Girlie was killing it. Let, let me yeah, say, I mean, in some... no way like the availability and the, the craziness that we have today. But um, no, I yeah. Know. I just yeah. Mean, no. Of course, I culturally. I hope I don't sound ignorant to the fact oh, that culturally, no, no, no. there's a. Uh, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I really mean it from the gaze of. I don't think we'd feel the need to get eyelash extensions. If, oh my god! If it I had, didn't exist yeah. to begin with, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So outside of all of that, I mean, it's just about what's being placed in front of us, and what it's we're so true. I I definitely understand what you're saying. Marketing is crazy now. That the ads that come on commercials. I mean, we can't even go through one TV show without seeing like Hulu is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm like, oh my god! Five minutes go by, and then we have another ad. Um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think what it is with marketing, I mean, obviously, it's just consumerism because you have to make somebody feel that they're not they're not okay and they're not perfect. Otherwise, why would they buy? Right? What, exactly. If the message is you are perfect, exactly how you are, then then why would they need your products? You know? Exactly. And so I guess that is the that is the nature of the beast that is you know, capitalism, consumer, everything that we have going on exactly. right now. But I, um, and I feel like the other side of it too. And, you know, this is something I feel a lot of guilt for just partaking in this industry is I know that I've been a part of the problem for the majority of my teen years and a bit of my adult career too. Like it's, it's hard to really stomach what this industry is doing to people. And I think I feel that pressure across the board. And my last little thing on the makeup side is like, I'm sitting in a chair and people are putting makeup on me to make me look presentable when I'm being told I'm the person to be presented. And yet then I go home and I'm like, wait, I needed to put the makeup on they put on me earlier today. Cause that's what like, it, it just affirms all of the things that were being fed. And I think just keeping a clear mind and like a, uh, an open mind when kind of consuming in general, like go, before we go on social media, you've been saying like, all right, I'm stepping into a virtual world that mm-hmm. I can't control. I have no idea what, how it's going to affect me until I see it. Um, how am I going to handle that? That's, that's a hard thing to do. And, and to even tell ourselves we're perfect and to tell ourselves that we're happy with who we are now is radical. And that's even scary to say, but yeah. I think it's important that we try to at least feed ourselves positive narratives and Mm -hmm. to my beauty community out there, enjoy putting makeup on, you know, like do it for (laughs) you. The whole point of this is to say like, and I think you, I I know you've always told me this too. And I've had so many amazing experiences with you involving fashion and showing that like fashion can be kind and fashion can still be fun. We don't have to feel the weight of an industry that's so damaging to our environment when we could support brands that are a part of the positive change and then feel so liberated through wearing exciting clothing and feel so excited to to share when someone says, I like your shirt. Like I get excited now about that stuff because I can share Pildora, I can share this, I can share this small business. Like, mm-hmm. wow, that makes me feel great about what I'm doing and stepping into with society and influencing others to do the same. 
But yeah, I think fashion, I think beauty, any of it, it can be a celebration of life. It's a compliment to life, but it's not a necessity, you know? And I think that's the point. It's exactly, you are perfect as you are. You don't need makeup. You don't need all these crazy clothes, but it's fun. If you want to, it's, it's kind of a reflection. If you're feeling good inside and you want to celebrate with a you know, crazy shirt, like kind of what I'm wearing today, I was feeling Miami vibes, you know? I love it's it. Like, it's why so not? Um, celebrate life and, and express, you know, it's artistic expression. It can be, and, and it can feel good, but it's not a necessity. You don't need it to be anything. You are perfect. And I think that's the message for sure. Exactly. And as and long think, as you're happy. Yeah. And as you said, social media, we do need to be cautious stepping into that space. And I think that's where we start comparing ourselves and where it can be a bit of a dark hole. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's where it becomes really important, particularly amongst women to start supporting each other rather than comparing and tearing each other down and being real. And that's what I love about models that eat. What I love about your Instagram too, is that you're so real. You're honest. When I look through your pictures and everything that you do, it's just, it's just raw. It's real. And you know, it just makes me feel good. And I think it makes me so happy. (laughs) I think that's, I think it's important that if there was more people like that, I think it would just, it would make social media a lot, uh, a lot of a, of a safer space for for a lot of women. Absolutely, I agree with this whole. You know, we women supporting women is really important, and it makes me sad when I see this game of comparison everywhere. I catch myself too. I mm-hmm. actually, especially in the past few years, I've tried to make a point to not edit any of my photos intensely. I'll like saturate stuff sometimes, but I I really try not to edit my photos. And it's almost the way I look at it as a model. And I know I'm a little delusional. I overthink my friends sometimes like Phoebe, give yourself, cut cut yourself a break. Um, But I feel like I'm canceling out for the photos that I put up that are from shoots and that are from all of these. Like, as you know, it's a beautiful, fun, creative experience shooting. And Mm -hmm. it's a blessing. Something I've had to recondition myself to understand that like modeling is an art as well. And Mm -hmm. it ties into the art of makeup and hair and fashion. Like these are creative outlets, but if I can condition myself to be okay with putting who I am raw, no filter on the internet. And then that that's a first step, hopefully for other people too, that can see like, Oh, she didn't cover up her acne today. Okay. Like I'm more comfortable with that Exactly for myself. Um, I'm trying to be, a little more subconsciously wired to do things that are more casual online, um, almost as a social experiment, <laughs> but also because <laughs> I think I think we all could cut ourselves some slack and just let ourselves exist and be human and not mm-hmm. be pressured to conform, like we were saying before, or self compare. Like they, what's the uh, Roosevelt quote? Um, Comparison is the thief of joy. I think it's something mm. like that. I love that quote. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's very real. Very, very real. <laughs> it's crazy. So I have another another thought. Like you, I love a good meal. <laughs> yeah. And you uh, do. <laughs> as you know, and this year I feel like I've really gotten into my intuitive eating. Um, I've stepped away from dieting. I feel I've I had a lot of times in my life where I was really just focused too much on dieting, thinking too much about what I was eating and actually What's surprising is the more I just have focused on tuning into my body is when I feel that my body's looking best, which is crazy. After spending so much time on trying to diet, I used to feel just really guilty 
And I, if I didn't work out, I would feel guilty. If I ate and overindulged, I would feel guilty. And now that I've just been going on this intuitive eating path, um, I let myself indulge. If I'm, I, I used to have this thing where I wouldn't eat carbs after four. It's, I'm like, well, the carbs, they're not, they're not going to have time to process. And then my body's going to create the fat at night and this whole crazy thing. <laughs> and now I'm like, if, if I want carbs tonight, I'm going to eat carbs. You know, I, I let mm-hmm. myself do what the body wants. I love and that. I, I wanted to know, where do you think this obsession, I guess, with our, our bodies come from? Do you think that this ingra- this is ingrained in us in an early age? And I guess, how has your relationship with food been throughout your life? Yeah, that's a really great question. I won. Congratulations, because intuitive <laughs> eating is such an amazing journey to be on with food. I think so many people could heal so many toxic dynamics with food and body image Mm -hmm. that they have just through listening to their bodies. And and you know what? I also understand and I feel for people that don't feel in touch with their intuition. um, I've struggled with that, especially this year. I don't know about you, but this was a overstimulating year, especially in the realm of healing to say the least. But one of my biggest things I've been trying to focus on is healing my connection with my intuition um, in order to intuitive eat, intuitively eat. And the good thing is food has actually been one of those things that's helped me get back in touch with my higher self. Um, and I think I, I agree. I think diet culture has been ingrained in us from a young age, from living in households with people that are on diets, you know, parental figures that when you're young, it does influence you. You don't really realize how it's influencing you, but seeing adults in your life diet their entire adult lives and go from this diet to that diet. Oh wait, no, now I'm here. Oh no, now I'm binge eating. And then I'm doing this. Like those are all like things that play a part in how you perceive food as you grow up. And then the other side of it too, is just marketing self-comparison with all of the media that we consume. I mean, before I was in magazines, I was reading magazines and I was so greatly influenced by the people I was seeing. Um, and maybe that's why when I started being a part of it, I was able to detach in a healthy way at a really young age until of course the pressure was up as I was being treated more like an adult. Um, things really changed, but I say all this to say food is also one of those situations that's not going to be linear your entire life that relationship changes as you grow. I was reading a, an article on this, how it's natural for us to shift with food, but it's not natural for us to suppress, suppress, suppress the things that we're in need of. And I think demonizing anything for that matter does not allow a healthy relationship. Even if you're demonizing foods that aren't deemed healthy, that in itself is damaging to the bigger picture of your life and your your relationship with your body throughout your life. Um, If anything feels untouchable, it creates this weird gap where it's then isolated as like the bad guy or completely bad. Like as we know, everything's gray, nothing's completely bad or good. But if you're able to look at a food instead and say, I'm not going to choose that today because I know it won't make me feel good. And not from a place of, I've, I've been told this is bad. So I feel bad if I do a, if I eat a bad thing, no, but I know for a fact this isn't serving me and I want my body to feel good or I'm eating with intention to heal or I'm eating with intention to not have a reaction because I'm intolerant to gluten or something like that. I think it's just about listening to that. So kudos, seriously, for the intuitive eating 
journey. It's so cool. I, th- I <laughs> wish you. more people did it. And I think a lot of people, because I mean, I've been vegan for a few years and one of the biggest misunderstandings people have is like, we go out to eat. They're like, I'm sorry, I'm ordering chicken on my salad. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me right now? I yeah. literally couldn't care less. I want everyone to eat what feels good to them. It's so ignorant to assume that there's one way of eating or there's one way of living. You know that you and I both know that's not true. It also goes back to cultural differences. It's just about people's personal journeys and respecting others. And I'm so grateful that I'm exposed to so many different cultures and different types of cuisine. And I'm also grateful to so many different types of cuisine. And I'm able to eat as a veg person, like plant-based person. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so, available now. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, But I also have had to teach myself that I'm vegan for ethical reasons, but I also know that I'm human. And if tomorrow I woke up and my body was telling me something else, then I would listen to that because the person I'm not going to betray is me. Um, I have to come first. And when you're in touch, you'll know, you'll just know. Um, And I think that a lot of people could just learn too from an awareness around their food. Like it doesn't have to be veganism. It could be getting into um, like plant, like more farm to table restaurants or learning about your local farmer's market or just getting more, you know, touching things from the earth or going to these these really cool locations and trying the new omakase spot or whatever, like that's big. Like that's food is culture and food is exciting. I just want everyone to feel good about it um, and not feel so ashamed and, and fearful of it. And that's the, that's what I mean by not demonizing foods, especially Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, I mean, look, it's way easier said than done, but um, it's important. We work towards that for sure. Definitely. And I think, uh, for a long time, I definitely demonized certain foods. But yeah, I actually feel that it goes back to something you said, though, definitely how we grew up. So I feel that my mom had a really bad relationship with food. So witnessing her and being around that was definitely affected my relationship with food as I got older. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us probably go through that learning from what we've seen as children. And then, as you said, society, too. So it's important, I think, to reanalyze your relationship with food as you're older and decide what's your relationship with food going to be. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I felt, you know, same over here. Both of my parents have been back and forth with certain diets throughout my life. And I'm very lucky, though, that food in a family setting was always just deemed. And also because I grew up as an athlete, played soccer and my dad did and my sister did we were told like food is fuel. So we were motivated to eat as much as we could. And there's privilege also in the body type I have. I'm so tall. I've always been thin. So I've always appeared socially acceptable in quotes. I'm saying this to all the podcast listeners. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that's why I also didn't face a lot of scrutiny around food. You know, different body types and people with different experiences with like family dynamics too. Like some people are nitpicked their entire lives and that is traumatizing, deeply traumatizing. Um, I'm really lucky that in my home life, yes, I was witnessing diet culture and I was like, why are you dieting? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, that, that teetering, that on and off that happens naturally when things are not sustainable, um, long-term, I was always a, a witness to that. And it didn't affect me as much because of the contradictory information I was be giving, which was like, eat as much as you want, do whatever you want. Like make sure you're eating enough because you need to. 
um, that was positive reinforcement. So it was almost like a 50, 50, like, all right, which one's going to win this battle? We'll find out. Um, and but how yeah, do you, it's always been a crazy ride. How do you, you know, being so tall and obviously going vegan, how do you get enough protein? How do you manage staying healthy and being on this lifestyle of veganism? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been someone who from the jump was so eager to learn and I have to listen. I don't have a perfect list of food by any means. I I'm constantly checking myself, making sure that I'm getting three full meals a day and staying balanced. I think that's a mindfulness everyone has to have. But I think the biggest thing was education. Um, when I was 19, I decided to go take some culinary classes to learn a little bit more about food, and I learned a lot about the back end of it in terms of prepping food and making food that tastes good. But then just had to do a ton of research myself on like what balance really feels like and looks like. I did a ton of blood tests. I've done cortisol tests. I've learned when I'm supposed to eat and why about my personal body, right? Like not just like some, here's this meal plan, buy it on my website and here you go. Like your life is complete. Like no, health is so individual and we all have different experiences with that and different illnesses attached to that. And you know, we all have different things we have to take into account when we're dealing with this. So I think the biggest thing for me was gradually eating more. I had a period during COVID where I was really insecure about how small I was. And I felt weak when I was going to work out. I couldn't maintain my body weight or my muscle in a way that made me feel confident. I was I was so embarrassed. I would call my boyfriend crying like, I just, I feel like Aww. I can't do this for myself. I was so, I was really, really embarrassed. And now I'm at a place too where my relationship with fitness has shifted so much. It's allowed me to find like a sweet spot. Like I really, I train two days a week and then anything after that is for mental health reasons, like to help me, you know, release hormones and feel good. Mm-hmm. I decided like, that's what's sustainable for me. I do weightlifting. Um, and then like, yeah, like protein and stuff. It's just about diversifying your diet. I feel unqualified to give advice on a podcast, but I'd say <laughs> do some real, there's some amazing resources on YouTube. There are full-on plant-based dietitians that help you and people that know how to help you if you have certain deficiencies. Just yeah. about like investing in your health, really. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, if anyone's interested in plant-based living, I would just say do a lot of research and opt for one meal a day and start and see how you feel like cooking, get comfortable understanding like the different components in the meals that you eat, period. And take ingredients seriously. I think there's something about a very legitimate ingredient in the fridge. Like let's say you have like, you introduce kimchi into your life, your gut's going to be happy. And then you're going to have this whole (laughs) world opened up like kimchi fried rice. I'm going to put it in this bowl. I'm going to do this. Like you could have fun with it. You just got to go with the flow. And, It'd be adventurous. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you introduced you introduced me to a nutritional yeast. Is that what it's yes, called? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I actually I just had it yesterday. Yeah. So, I so like you're all about that special ingredient. <laughs> oh, yeah. Secret ingredient vibes. Nutritional yeast will change your life. I was telling Christina, I'm like, also, that's got some hidden nutrients. The vitamin B, you're going to be like, damn, I'm feeling good today. What's mm-hmm. that about? It's the nooch. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just quit eating fish. So I'm a fish. I was before I, I stopped eating meat. I stopped eating chicken, and I was still eating fish from time to time. But I just decided I just I really wasn't feeling good when I ate fish anymore. A combination, I guess, of ethical and just my body just didn't want it anymore. So now I'm not eating fish, and I've been exploring wow. what to eat. Um, is you know it takes time. So I've also been just researching and figuring it out. 
I'm still eating eggs, but, but yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I just bought some seitan. Um, oh, been awesome. Using that nutritional yeast. Uh, yeah, great. <laughs> but yeah, love the it. journey is beginning, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. Just Googling and watching that's YouTube great. videos. Oh my God. That's yeah. awesome though. Congrats. That's great. It sounds like you're really listening to your body with that. And that's mm-hmm. so important. And I mean, one of the journeys I'm on right now is incorporating way more greens. We've, we've heard our whole lives. Oh my gosh. Yes. The greens. greens. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here like carbs. They're like, no greens. And I'm like, I can't hear you over the bonza pasta. I'm eating every right? single day. And I'm like, all right, it's time to get the, the chard up in here. I started like getting more kale, more chard, more arugula. Um, I'm really trying to build the habit. It's not easy, but it's, they're really delicious. Honestly, it's just about the way we do it. Like uh, a little hack for you guys real quick. I made the most insane dressing that like, lo- I lost my mind over it. Oh my God. It, I need to write this down. But here we go. Everyone. <laughs> if you want to like greens, this is how I did it. Um, I made it to go salad on my way to the city and it was rainbow chard. I cut up. Uh, with butter beans because of I think it's I don't know if it was magnesium in the butter beans or some sort of mineral that I ha- I was deficient in that was in butter beans so I threw those in a couple other veggies but the the dressing itself was tahini I, fresh tahini preferably like I got mine at this local spot that does amazing um, falafel uh, tahini I did harissa which is also a really great condiment that I'm obsessed with um, what else a little maple syrup. Mm. half the juice of a lemon. I always throw hot sauce in everything because I'm a nut, but go for it if you want. And then <laughs> really good olive oil too. That was... That is quite the mix. It was so good. <laughs> and it made... it made. I eat every single green. I was like, we're not slacking today, people. We're getting it all in. It was so delicious. So you know, finding allies too. And it's all about the dressing with with greens. Yeah. If you have a good dressing, then yeah, I'm trying to get into greens as well because you're right. Like right when I stopped eating fish, I was like carbs. What else do I eat? Right. Yeah. It's like period. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm exploring Exploring greens as well. Carbs Uh, and greens. Also, I just, I think if you can eat sesame, tahini is literally just one of those things I never get tired of. Like I drizzle it on everything now. And I'm like, yep, this is delicious. Everything's great. Tahini mm-hmm. and, and pomegranate seeds as a combination is like game changer. Game changer. Sounds delicious. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> of course, of course. I, I to had, try to, that. had to tell. <laughs> I know someone out there is going to be like, this was the answer to my prayers. <laughs> I know you'll love it. <laughs> so I want to move into something that we've spoken about before, which is anxiety. Something mm-hmm. that has definitely been a struggle for me. Likewise. Yeah. So I, I've managed it well more recently in my life. Um, before, as I've spoken about, I, I was heavily prescribed medication for anxiety and it led to a lot of other problems in my life. So um, that was my coping mechanism for anxiety before was medications, prescriptions. Mm-hmm. And I think that really didn't solve the problem. And I have developed other coping mechanisms which are, you know, what has really helped me is breathing, meditation, yoga, but it continues to be something that I live with, you know, anxiety, it just doesn't really go away. And, um, it is, it does decrease though, I feel, but, but it is just part of my life. And so I think it's something that I've come to accept, but I would love to know what's your experience with anxiety and what are your coping mechanisms? Ah, yes. 
our good old friend anxiety. It always <laughs> comes back. Um, yeah, I mean, I've struggled with anxiety since I was a kid, but my anxiety meets depression phase started when I was a freshman in high school. And my first coping mechanism was modeling. I was running away from my life in high school and I was coming to New York. I had my friends here. I had my world here, my job. I would, it was like a double life. Um, and so that was my first coping mechanism. Uh, until until modeling gave me anxiety. And then I was like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> That's not working anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, at this point in my life and this year, I really struggled with a, with a real recur- recurrence or resurgence of it. I, I'm going to, like you said, I'm starting to get more rooted in my breath, which I know people are like, oh, oh, here they go. Meditation. Like, Guys, seriously, self-awareness, <laughs> like that level of awareness around me as a being has really changed and allowed me to shift into one, my purpose, but two, also like my connection with like a greater power, like spirituality. Like when you, re- I think, and I, I don't think it's about any sort of specific religion or anything, but like this idea of surrendering is so hard for me. I love control. I love having control over my career. Totally I love, feel that. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm someone that craves that and I grab onto it and it's because of trauma. And I think a lot of people can relate. Like when you feel like you've lost control out over, um, because of a certain area of your life or because of something that's happened to you, you cling on to any form of control that you can have. And that's how, I mean, if I show you my studio right now, this week I've just been cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. Like I can control the way my room looks. That's a healthier thing than I can control the people around me. I can control, uh, you know, the, like the things that are going to happen two years from now, five years from now, it's like, that's where it starts to turn into this toxic thing. And that's where my anxiety feeds. It's like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What if a, what if a plane came and crashed down right now? I'm like, wait, where is this coming from? I'm like, what part of my brain is demented and just like feeding me this? Like, there's a little voice in my brain that's, you know, causing me to spiral. And when I really started to get back in touch with my breath and also strengthen that intuition, I'll say it again, food, great, great medium for this. If you're just trying to take small steps, cooking is such a great way to connect to your intuition through intuitive eating. When I started to get back to journaling, healing, breath work, time alone, which I know a lot of people are afraid of, I wouldn't recommend feeding that that voice in your head. I would recommend challenging yourself to spend time alone, take yourself on dates, go on walks. Like that stuff has really allowed me to come back to Pojo and like finally feel like myself again. Um, but it's not easy. It's also just about accepting those moments, those really, really dark moments. I struggle with it all the time. People don't see it though. I mean, look, as much as I preach about being honest on the internet, it's not my first instinct to be like, just had right. a mental breakdown, posting my story. <laughs> like, that's not, it's not yeah. really on the cards for me. But I will say that creating safe spaces for yourself to feel is one of the biggest things. And therapy has helped me tremendously. I am obsessed with my therapist. I'm so lucky that I took the time I did to meet a few and really vet for myself to find a safe space. Um, and now there are so many resources to find spaces to connect with people and get, get some support sometimes outside of your immediate circle. Cause it's not mm-hmm. always healthy to project onto others. I think sometimes you just got to find that designated space. So 
just know if you're listening and you're dealing with that, you're not alone. Christina and I have been through the ringer with it oh, and we yeah. get it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think you bring up a good point too about social media. I was just thinking about that. Actually talking to somebody yesterday about that. And I recently had a bit of a panic attack and I was like, you know, it would be so interesting if I shared some of this stuff yeah. on my Instagrams. I feel that sometimes I'm sharing so much of the good and the positive. Yeah. And I do share some of my struggle, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's important to also share. It's not like I'm going to post, I'm in the middle of my panic attack. I'm crying. <laughs> live footage. It's like, uh, I turn on the live, I turn on the live. Yeah, let's go live. Hey. <laughs> no, but I think even just in talking about it now, you know, like you said, to anyone listening, you're not alone. We, we do continue to have anxiety and panic attacks and, um, you know, more people should share these kinds of things, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, as we are doing it now. Um, yeah. but I think Instagram is a hard space because, um, because it is scary to be vulnerable and to share. And even, even for me, uh, thinking about doing that, because I do share, I try to share such a positive message, but it's not always positive. Yeah. Um, we can use our coping mechanisms, but at the same time, we still will go through these things, having panic attacks. And so it's thinking about how can we share that where, where it will still deliver a, an eloquent message in some ways, but it also is like, maybe it's not going to be eloquent. Maybe it just needs to be real and raw. And that's actually going to help people. But as you exactly. said, it's like, I overthink the whole situation too. So no, uh, I, yeah. I get it. And it's a fine balance between boundaries for yourself emotionally. And then mm-hmm. also allowing yourself to connect with others or help others. Um, yeah. I struggle with that a lot. I think when I would make videos that were solo videos for Model City, I felt so insecure. And I got anxiety because I felt like I was painting this. And this is my anxious voice came in. It was telling me I was painting a picture of like, it's all about me. And then it would turn into, who are you to make these make this content anyways? Like, who do you think you are? Are you, you think you're some big top model that can like talk about all this stuff like you're high and mighty? And like, I would go down this spiral and I'm like, I literally just made a YouTube channel where I eat with people. Why am I turning it into this huge, you know, this like life or death moment? It's just not yeah. that. Um, the, the internet, yeah, the voice comes through and I'm like, sis, keep it to yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm getting to this place now where I'm recognizing my anxiety as, as messages and I'm trying to interpret them mm-hmm. as that. downloads in a way that's like, what can I gain from this? And what is it trying to tell me? It's the same thing with you know, the, like cortisol, I, I struggle because of my anxiety. I struggled with high cort- cortisol. I was really stressed physically. Um, and I didn't really understand that on a hormonal level until I took a test. And once I, I actually, you would die. It was so funny. Um, I took this cortisol test thinking I took it on a really calm day and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get the results back. It's going to be crazy. Good. They don't even know what's coming. My doctor's going to be like, sheesh girl, you're calm as hell. I get on this call. <laughs> my doctor's like, so your cortisol, let's take a look. And it was like up and down, up and down all around, like just not where it needed to be. And it was in that moment that I realized I was like, oh, this is actually very tangibly having an effect on my body. So it's time for me to take it seriously. And that's when I really started to invest more time into meditation and breath work and spiritual coaches and um use like just creating like an arsenal of healers in my back pocket that I knew I could call on because support, support, support. That's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. I learned a lot about what I was investing my money into this year. And 
it's such a privilege to be able to invest in your own self-care and healing. It would be so cool if we could make some sort of like healer guide, like handbook, like you and I could like source from all of our friends, all the people that have helped us throughout the years and create some sort of guide. Cause I, I think those like just having people that are understanding of that and seeing us for who we are beneath even just the medical stuff um, is really, really mm-hmm. important. And that's helped me so much. I'm so grateful for that in my life, truly. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've gotten so many, so many great, I've, I've come across so many amazing guides and just little pieces of wisdom. So many people have helped me along the way. I would, it would be great to, to put together all the resources, the, the guide to getting through life. Up until now, at least the, we'd have to leave some empty space at the end. Um, yeah, just but like adding. continued. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Volume one, volume one. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So as you know, I've experienced a bit of, well, my latest awakening, I've had many awakenings in my life, but I've been going through um, a bit of an evolution this year, this past couple of months, particularly, and I feel my wings truly spreading again. And it's been really beautiful. It's been an ongoing journey though, an evolution. I think that lasts a lifetime for me. Um, for most people, we're all always evolving, but, um, I was wondering, have you, do you feel like you've ever experienced an awakening in your life or, um, maybe you've experienced multiple and if you have, when? That's so funny that you say you were going through it the past few months. Cause I've been too, like, seriously, and I, not to say it's all in the stars, I think mm-hmm. we're very aligned in many ways. I'm sure it's really no surprise that we're parallel in these types of experiences, but it really has been one of those years where yeah. everything's been coming from left field. I'm like, what was that? Oh my God, what was that? Oh no. And then you're confronting all of this trauma, you're confronting mm-hmm. all these things. Like the past few months for me were a series of spiraling with anxiety and depression and then getting back up and treading through and then having some sort of structural shift in my life. One of the biggest things that goes back to that control idea we were talking about was me realizing that I need to create something sustainable for myself, pun intended, um, (laughs) beneath the surface, like a foundation for me. Um, I think my whole life I've been conditioned to wait for calls, for modeling, sit and be prepared for anything. And I was always so resistant or hesitant towards making plans for myself because I was so, I was just like, oh, anything could come up right now and I have to run and uh, drop of a hat. I need to fly or I need to do this. And um, now I'm just trying to really get rooted and feel good about my work, feel good about the type of work I'm doing, the clients I have, um, the lifestyle I have. Um, I recently stopped drinking. I don't know how long that'll be for, but I was like, mm-hmm. I knew for me that that was something that has been an itch that I've been needing to scratch. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. Um, And I think it's just like, I'm realizing that the only person I'm betraying by not listening to myself and doing things for myself is myself. Like Mm -hmm. there's no one else in this life too, that we're supposed to take care of. We have no obligation to others as much as we feel like we do because of interpersonal relationships and friendships and family. Like, we are only obligated to take care of ourselves, period. It's, it's one of the hardest things to stomach as a human, especially as somebody that cares about people so deeply. Um, and I'm so... I, ha- I also... I hate to overuse the word empath, but mm-hmm. I just, I'm so sensitive to other people's energy, truly, that it 
it could shift my entire day and my mood could be because of someone else or be because of some sort of energy I'm picking up on that I just didn't understand. And my healers have helped me with that. They have taught me so much about myself that I knew, but I didn't understand in like this field, I guess. Like it was just more of like a subconscious understanding of how I am. Um, and so, yeah, this, the past three months specifically, I mean, the stars have been in, I mean, there's been a lot going on in the sky in itself to cause that to happen. I know you know that stuff, but um, I'm grateful mm-hmm. for the shift. Yeah. And I, right now, I think I also really struggled with the intuitive stuff, but also gratitude. But I have learned right now just to be grateful for this growth. And someone also said on Instagram today that growth is not, it will never overlap with your comfort zone. Um, and that's another hard thing to stomach, but mm-hmm. just yeah. learning from it. Yeah. Definitely. Change is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And for me, most, you know, I, obviously I've, I've become, I've stopped drinking, I'm living a sober life and this whole recent awakening and evolution has actually been a bit lonely and figuring out who I am again and totally changing my whole life, moving to Miami. And it's very uncomfortable, you know, of course. Um, complete change of my whole life that it's not just uncomfortable for me. I was thinking about this yesterday, but I think it's also uncomfortable for a lot of people who knew me, my former self, even my family, I think is getting used to the new me. Um, yeah. And some people just don't really fit into the new me, the new life. And I'm okay with that now, but, um, it's definitely a difficult, it's a difficult journey to, to, I guess, wake up sometimes yes. to go, go through these, to shed these skins. But if you're willing to do it, and if you listen, I think to the call, to the awakening, if you step into that power, then, um, I think it's worth it in the end. But I think the transition part, it is like a rebirth. It's very yeah. painful sometimes, you know, a hundred percent. And you should be so proud that you are open to the change. And I think I've learned in my experience with this, which is so uncomfortable, as you know, at times it's like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can bear another day of it. I want to go back to being who I was, but I wasn't happy when I was like that. You know, I was so, I was sad Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, um, it's a bit, like I said, it's betrayal to yourself to not honor this awakening. And you should be so proud that you've, you were able to intuitively know what you need to do next take that step and be willing to handle whatever comes with that because that's just also part of the growth is these shifts and the micro shifts and the people shifting out and people shifting mm-hmm. in. It's a lot. And it's just another testament to how important self-care is right now. Like the little things will keep you on the ground. Like for me, I have this app I love. It's called Endel, E-N-D-E-L. It's mm-hmm. just sound waves and Ooh. little soundscapes, they call it. And I'm like, who would have thunk it? I'm like pretty much someone that likes purgatory music. I just want things that don't make me think about pop culture. Don't make me whatever. I'm just, I'm sitting in an elevator and jazz is playing or this weird algorithms making some AI music that I like. And I just, I'm just detached from everything else. I love it. It's so calming. It's, it's, it's given me somewhere to like put my feet down. And then things like even skincare, brushing my hair, like, you know, Mm things that feel really a tea. I really love my like, uh, this like rose lavender, like not green tea, um, chamomile, like really nice calming tea I drink now. And I'm like, it's just the, Oh, I made this bouquet like this. I'm like, I'm doing things that just, Oh my God. It's so cute. 
I love that. <laughs> that. That was like really out of nowhere popping into the video. Um, I like that. <laughs> but you know, like the, the little things that are grounding again, crystals, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, definitely. The, the material doesn't have to be the answer, but giving yourself the opportunity to find those resources is one. And yeah, but I say it, I say all that to say congrats because another congrats. This whole thing is me congratulating yeah. you on your growth. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I get um, it. I think I think it's about um, you know, finding yourself again. And I think you are such a creative person. That's very grounding for you. And sometimes when you go through these changes, you kind of have to come back to yourself. You come home to yourself and you're figuring out what does it mean to be me? Like you said, taking time alone. Maybe you start going on walks again alone. Maybe you start I started painting for a little while. I haven't done nice. it in a bit, but that was kind of a nice little phase. I need to start it up again because I love that was that. something interesting. It's a little bit more, um, you know, creative and art- artistic, I guess, than I normally am. I like to do kind of graphic design work, um, you know, writing, all these different kinds of things that are really grounding to us. Lately, I've been, I've been really wanting to do baths. Like, I get very inspired by those Instagram baths that people do with like, all the flowers. Yeah. Like, I really want to devote some time to creating a bath. But yeah, all these beautiful grounding that. things and just figuring out what it really means to to be you and just hundred percent you alone with yourself and your in w- inner world just starts to completely expand. That's something that I think is so interesting too. While you might look really boring from the outside, I think like, I think people might look at me right now and be like, Oh my God, you know, she's so boring. She's not going out. She's not drinking, not doing that. Like my world from the inside is completely expanded. You know, I think mm-hmm. I, fr- from, from me, from, from inside my brain, from, my consciousness, it's just totally expanded and fulfilled. Yes. I love that. And it's like, I agree. I mean, I'm realizing now these obligations that we feel like we have to have to just fulfill or take part in. It's like, everything is a choice. When we like surrender to choice, like that's, that's our, that's our control as humans. Like, and that goes back to where I have control. I control the energy in my life. I control the substances in my life, the food in my life, the people, the everything, the media, as much as I feel like sometimes I can't control the media, I can. And I, it's such a liberating feeling. It goes back to the complacency, even with consumerism, we can so easily just be like, well, I got to do what everyone else is doing because this is convenient or this is that. And like, what kind of life is that? To me, it, it feels so, it, it feels mundane. I, I, I don't want to move through the world just going with what the flow is or doing what other people are doing because I'm being told I have to. Like lately saying no to events has been so, like it, it just, it releases so much energy. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm energized. I can't wait to sit on oh my, my couch. God, yes. like, <laughs> I love that. I feel um, that. Yeah. Like, and you know, the drinking side too, that I'm very new to it. I'm like, what, eight days sober. I was, so I was, I wasn't really drinking a lot throughout mm-hmm. the week before that, but just committing to it and telling myself, like, I'm going to see how long it could go and see how I feel. And like, go back to that intuitive feeling, what your body's feeling and seeing like, wow, I actually feel really great. I feel clear minded. I feel mm-hmm. like I can make decisions for me. I don't feel like, and I go out, like I went out the other night to a venue with a friend where it's like, there's a DJ, all this stuff. And I'm like, I felt no obligation to drink anything that was on a table. I was like, I don't care. I was like, make me a spritzer with lemon. They're like, yeah, let's go. The guy's like, here you go. Like that felt so good to even just be like, this is a decision I made for myself. It's Mm -hmm. not, I shouldn't feel bad for it or ashamed of it. Like I should be proud of it. Um, And I think, yeah, just owning those decisions again and feeling good about it. Cause you're inspiring others. I mean, especially with sobriety, you inspire Mm -hmm. others to not put poison into their body like that. 
there's nothing negative about you doing that for yeah. you. It's I mean, talk thing. about something radical. I think it, it is radical today to not drink, actually. like I think It is, yeah. Everybody drinks now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do drugs. Everybody drinks now. And so when you decide actually to not to drink and you're going out, everyone's like, whoa, you know? Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Why are you doing that? Who are you? Like, I went to um, dinner in Dallas recently. Uh, we went out to dinner um, with my family. It's a sushi restaurant. It was a nice place. And actually, I ordered a virgin extra spicy margarita. And Ooh, I was that like, sounds amazing. <laughs> it was really good. It was like a very fancy drink. They brought it out. Um, and the waiter is this guy. I, we went to this restaurant a lot. So he knew me. He was like, are you pregnant? And I, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm just not drinking anymore. And he was like, wow. It's like, that's, I really respect that. So congratulations. And he was like, <laughs> so, so like in awe and just like admiring my st- And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And I just felt very fancy with my drink. And I'm like, you know what? I can still enjoy delicious drinks that are, cause I guess I just liked kind of like the fancy element of yeah. you know, the fancy wine glass or the fancy looking drink with the big ice cube. And so, um, so exactly. it was kind of a, it was kind of a nice moment and the realization in that moment too. Um, yeah. and then I had the it, other it, evening. Mm -hmm. And also it's really interesting people's responses and like reactions, you know, like I'm sure you get this too. I mean, even in the week that I go, I've gone out probably twice this week and the times I go out even for dinner, friends are like, Oh yeah. Like I want to stop drinking and I haven't. And uh, uh." I'm like, babe, it's not a guilt trip. Like I literally just, you could do whatever you want. It's your life. I'm just, I'm just doing this for me right now. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not looking at other people and thinking anything. If anything, I'm just looking at society and I'm like recognizing how saturated it is with this stuff. And Mm -hmm. you and I both know like alcohol is one of those things that is has one of the highest death tolls in the US. It is so damaging. It is comparable to any hard drug, if if not worse in terms of numbers. And it is normal because it's on the market and it's legal. And that's that's as simple as it is. And um, our culture has created so many norms around it. And it goes back to what we we're talking about earlier too. Like culturally, we can respect that. Of course, it's been ingrained in certain ways that are relevant to history. But beyond it, it's just a decision. It's a decision every day. And I'm feeling really good. I'm excited about the focus I have on the things I care about and models that eat too. Like damn, me going out and you know being distracted by lifestyle stuff doesn't help me with what I'm trying to actually do in my free time. And also treating models that eat like a hobby rather than this obligation has been so freeing as well. I've allowed myself to have so much more fun with it and be more creative and open to change and new people and all that stuff. And so it's been, it's really cathartic in that sense. Uh, but I'm really excited. You really inspire me with your journey and you are always so transparent online and honest. And I think people learn more from you than you'll ever even know. If I've learned anything from models that eat, it's that there's people that tell you, thank you. And there's people that have been changed for the rest of their lives that you'll never hear from because of the shame around their own personal growth and their fear of, of being seen in that way. Like sometimes it's confronted in person where I know I've had experiences where people come up to me mm-hmm. and they're people that I, I never recognized online because they were never active talking about online. But when they met me in person, they were so open to discuss what they were feeling because it was a connection, different type of energy without a screen in front of them. So I just know that like, it's so much, it affects more people than you actually realize because Mm -hmm. it's so personal. Some of these things that we talk about openly, you and I are pretty much open books on the internet, which is really, (laughs) it's, as you know, energetically could be a lot for us, but we're really doing more good than we even realize. So it's just about being 
like you said, spreading positivity and also shedding light on things that maybe aren't so happy all the time, but it's helping. And that's the biggest thing. Definitely. And here we are talking about how can we be more open too? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You and I are always, we're always uh, trying trying to push it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, So exactly. I know, but no, I I definitely think that Model Sae and your platform as well are such an inspiration to anyone that comes in contact, such an inspiration to me. And so I want you to know as well that I know that you're helping so many people and um, I appreciate you saying that as well. Um, you know, I think even if I have helped one, one person with any of my, my content, my posts and the message that I shared, then I will be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think since I've started talking about my journey with sobriety and just opening up more, I've had more people reaching out and messaging about that. So that's, um, that's made me really happy because I really do want to help through sharing. As I said, my part of my healing journey is helping other people heal. So I think anyone listening to this always feel free to reach out. Um, but I know that, as you said, there is a lot of shame around it. So I understand that as well. And that is why we are here talking about this because it is important to start the conversation because as you know, with as we were doing with Models at E, you're, you're starting the conversation. And the more that we continue to talk about it, the easier it will be for others to feel safe starting their conversations about it as well and, and to start their own healing journeys. Okay. So congratulations okay. on everything that you've done and you've accomplished. And I'm so excited for you and, and where you are right now. I'm like, I'm always in awe of you. I mean, you're, you're, you're 22, right? 22. Oh my God. I can't believe you're 22. Literally. I was a wreck when I was 22. Like, let's not even <laughs> talk about it. Let's not even get there, but you're so <laughs> evolved and enlightened. And I'm just a, such a special being. I feel so grateful to know you. And so, so honored to have you on my show today. Oh, and Christina, I feel this likewise. is an amazing conversation. Where can everyone find you? Where can, where can we find you on the, on the web? Well, one, thank you for all the sweet words. I feel the same way about you. And I'm so, I'm grateful for this opportunity to just chat. This has been very relaxing and grounding for me. So I'm so happy that I got to come on online. I'm, I'm everywhere and nowhere, but I'm on, I'm at Pojo on Instagram that's my main social media. I do have a TikTok, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll find on my stories. I'm always posting silly things. I'm in a silly, goofy mood a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Models that eat the podcast is on all streaming platforms at models.that.e on Instagram and modelsthateat.com is relaunching. So that'll be up very soon with all the updated podcast episodes coming out in the coming weeks. Season Yay. two launches. So I'm very excited and I'm just so grateful to have been here. Seriously. Thank you for all of your light and thank you for starting this podcast. I think you're going to change lives and I I know you're going to change lives and I hope people really wake up. (laughs) I really do. We're here to wake them up. Right, Bojo? Uh, Hell yeah. (laughs) I'm always here for a good wake up call. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And thank you, Bojo. Sending you so much love. Thank you. I'm Christina Ray, and you've been listening to the Power for Good podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next week for another powerful conversation. Share a story of how you are using your power for good by sending me a DM on my Instagram, at Christina Ray Almeida. I'll be sharing your stories at the end of every episode weekly. If you're interested in learning more on how we can work together, Head to my website, IamChristinaRay.com and let's connect. 
Sending you so much love. And remember, you are powerful. Powerful.